Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Boys in the Barrio. Today we got a special guest. Um, I'm going to give you a story of why it's so special. Um, I remember back in the day, um, I grew up. I, I grew up in Second Ward, born and raised, but then I moved to RV, another neighborhood, and I moved to a place co- uh, right close to the Orange Show. I remember um, going there a lot. They used to do all these crazy shit on Saturday, uh, on Saturdays all the time. There was some type of shit going to where, like, it was just to bring young folks and start, I don't know, fucking being creative, I guess, and and shit. But I remember a lot of the times there used to be a breakdancer there, and it was this dude, and I was just like, damn, I was fascinated by it because it was always the same dude. And I was just like, man, who is that dude? Who is that dude? But I was young at the time, so I didn't really pay mind to it, right? So I was just like, okay, cool. Um, but later on, um, now I'm what 26. I actually recently had the opportunity to find him on social media, but I'm gonna explain to him afterwards how uh, it's such a small world. Um, but anyways, our special guest today is B Boy Little John. I would like to thank you for joining us, man. Yes, sir, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate it, man. So uh, to get back to what I was saying, this huge story, man, is a uh, small world. Is that I actually went to school with your sister. Wow, my yeah. sister Amanda. Yes, we went to school since elementary, man, land trip. Wow, word. So, and I found that out because, back to the whole story of when, uh, being back right here at Orange Show, man, they used to do a lot of stuff there. A lot of guys from Pine Valley used to hang out. Yeah, exactly. And But it, sometimes, I remember one time, it did get a bit crazy there. It was like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, I can actually tell the story, a small story of that. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah so what happened was it was the Orange Show, and they had a, they had a little competition. And we were battling, I think, a group called uh, Dynamic. And there was another group called Life that, that's from the north side. And they, they were in the, the early, mid-90s. But uh, they actually had beef with some of the guys that I grew up dancing with. And so one of the guys grabbed one of the guys from our side, whose name is uh, David Donis. And he's a, he, was a pro, he was a pro boxer Damn. or semi-pro boxer at that time. So when he actually... One of the I don't want to say the guy who grabbed him that day, but the guy who grabbed him, he's actually he's actually uh, a known writer in Houston. Like he's huge now, so he ended up grabbing David, and David just yanked him and threw him. And I think that's probably what you saw. Is was it when they got rowdy that day? There was yeah. really like a fight. Yeah. So a bunch of guys from Pine Valley were there. Some of them were wearing I think uh, it was red. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't remember that. Clear. So, but uh, one of the guys from Pine Valley, I actually went to elementary school with him in Brookline. So that's how I knew him. So they bum rushed, and I, they must have thought we were from Pine Valley or yeah, from that yeah. area, but we weren't. And that's that was that was that ruckus. But I remember that that specific day. Yeah, and I just I, like I said, man, I lived like what four four houses down. So every opportunity there was, I mean, we're young kids just running around on bikes, and we see some shit going. We were going, you know. Sure. It was just, yeah, and I I think that's that's really when I got introduced to like breaking. You know, I, that's when I first saw it. That's when I actually got a. You know, and I saw dope dudes like you. You get what I mean? And I was like, damn, that dude's raw, man. You get what I mean? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But another way this this whole thing comes into a circle is 18 years ago, um, I went to my brother's graduation who graduated from Austin, year 2000. <laughs> and we always talk about one of my favorite memories of his graduation was that somebody breakdanced when he received his diploma. 
Word, yeah. Yeah, and come to find out, I saw the video that you posted. You posted it. Yes. You saw and, so yeah. you were there. We, I was there. He wow. was there. Man, it was fucking crazy, dude. That's and what's up, man. you know what's crazy? I sent it to my brother and he's like, dude, how the fuck did you get that? How? Like, how did you get that? I was wow. like, I'm actually gonna have him on the podcast next week, man. So your brother was graduating. Yeah, same class as you. Yeah. Wow. So my brother's your age. What's his name? David Romano. Man, I'm sure if I saw him, I probably would Oh, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find a picture. If he went to Austin. Yeah, so he was just, like, in shock. He was like, dude, how the hell did you get that, man? So I was like, dude. And we always talk about it, like, every, you know, when you're you're reminiscing on stuff with him, he's like, he was like, yeah, man, that dude, that break, that that was just fucking dope. Yeah, man. That's pretty crazy. But, yeah, I I just think it's so amazing how, like, you know, for a long time, I was like, you know, younger, I saw you break dance, but then later on, I was like, man, I saw, I think that's that guy. I looked for you, and then come to find out I went to school with your sister. Then you, it's just crazy, man. Small world. Yeah, it, it really is. Did you know that you know my sister? You probably know her better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I left. I left at a, at a young age, so mm-hmm. you know, for the most for the most time, I think when she, when y'all were at land trip, I was already on my own. I kind of same here with my brother, man. So he would probably say the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, old schools, y'all seem to have had a, a more um, independent mind quicker than what. Yeah, it was either that or our parents just let us go. And you know what? I kind of had a pro, not a problem with it, but I was kind of like, "Mom, you're, you were so much lenient on this dude. Why is it that?" Like- <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I remember every uh, every summer. My mom would give me a few dollars and then 35 cents. 35 cents paid for for me to get on the bus. And I w- we lived off of Broad Street, off a of telephone. I would get off, I would go across the street. I was like maybe eight or nine. Get on the bus. I think it was go all the way down to Harrisburg. I think it was a 37. And then from there I would get the 20 canal and then go to down the canal. And I was like eight or nine, man. Damn. Yeah, so I... I would never let my daughters do that. <laughs> so yeah, so either our parents just were, just didn't didn't know any better, or we just it's just how it was, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So That's can you up. tell us a little bit about how you grew up and where you grew up and uh, how'd you get introduced to dancing and where you? Yeah, at? so I I like you I um I was I was raised in Second Ward, so uh, prior to that I actually uh, when I was born we. We moved to uh, Clayton Homes. So Clayton Homes is near Second Ward uh, by the freeway. And so it, it used to be, it, there was another spot called uh, Mercado del Sol. That was a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, that that's, that, that's probably one of the first uh, flea market uh, that Houston probably ever had. Kind of like the one they have towards the Beltway, going yeah. towards uh, Paraland Park. But anyhow, in the 80s, um, Till about four or five years old, I, I lived there in Clayton Homes, and then from Clayton Homes, uh, we lit we we left and lived in Redwood Apartments. So I went from one project to another, which is Redwood Apartments uh, in the, the east side, kind of near Magnolia. So we lived there for a few years. After that, we went to Pasadena for a few years, and uh, from Pasadena off of Ritchie, and then from there we went to. Broad Street. Oh, yeah, I moved a lot. So, yeah, I moved a lot. Like, because my family's very unstable. Yeah. So, we went towards Broad Street. From Broad Street, we went more inside towards, um, what is the stadium? Barnett Stadium? Barnett Barnes? Stadium, yeah. Yeah, so I live literally across from there. And I went to Brookline. So, I went to like six different elementary schools. And then I would say in 
probably 88 or so within within a space of like 10 years we moved like eight times and i went to like six different schools never went to school on time you know what i always find amazing about people that went to different uh to a lot of schools is that man those are the dudes that know a shitload of people man you know it's crazy because i've had people come up to me and say man i went to elementary school with you and and they know my name (laughs) they know the school so i know they're not lying yeah but but I guess they always just say, you, you still look the same. You still look the same. But And there's been a few people that I looked at and I said, oh, I know that person from somewhere. And wasn't like that went to school with them. But I think, yeah, definitely right. So then from there I went. So I think about 80, 89, 90 or 88. Within those three years, I, sp- I, I used to spend the summer with my grandparents. So I would leave from wherever I was and go for the whole summer and go to second ward. So I would say close to like mid-80s. And then I was I always spent the summer with my grandparents in second ward. And then from the late 80s, then about 89 maybe, 88, around when LL Cool J came out with that album. And that's how you remember it, huh? Yeah, we, that specific time, we actually moved in with my grandparents. So we, so from the 90s all the way up, uh, I, was, I was in second ward, you know what I mean? So we were off of um, Canal Street. So Canal, Canal and Lockwood. And then from from Lockwood, I think to Super Street, that was my area. That was oh, my play. That was my playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I spent. Um, you know, I used to think I had a crappy childhood, but then as I thought about it, as I got older, I realized like I had a really awesome childhood because, um, for one, we we lived in in uh, it was like a three duplex. Three, well, it was a two two bedroom duplex house. You probably seen it before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it was we turned it into a three bedroom but there was like 70 people living in there so it was like my grandparents it was like my uncle my youngest uncle my other uncle his wife their two kids my other aunt and their four kids um, my sister my older sister my younger brother my dad so you know so there was always a good 16 to 70 people living in that house but I remember we would always um, go from there to the Chinos right next door. Yeah. It was called Sam's. And then we would go to the play arcades at the Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so for the most part we grew up in I grew up in Second Ward in that area. And we just had a blast, man, just kind of running around, acting crazy. And then from then on I went to I that around that time I was with my family, really close to my family. From then on I actually was watching one one night I was watching Nickelodeon. Cause we had hot cable. Yeah. Oh, that was the shit. They, they yeah, the cable. My brother did that for yeah. us. So they they stole cable, and uh, we was watching Nickelodeon six in the morning, five in the morning. They would show all the cartoons, and they had the double dare. But I remember. Man, yeah, that's some old shit. The double yeah, dare. Yeah. The double dare. I remember after that, um, I changed the channel, and it was a. Uh, actually, some there was nothing completely whatsoever near me. They, I was watching this show called In the Heat of the Night. And they, and they were playing a basketball game. Two, two cops were playing a basketball game. And then that day I said, oh, I want to I do that. I never played ball in my life. I, I collected baseball cards and basketball cards, but I never played. And I was like, man, I want to I want to do that. And I just said, that's what I'm going to do. So I woke up the next day. It was a Friday. The next day I woke up on Saturday morning, and I walked over to Ripley House. And I walked over to Ripley House. Didn't know anybody. It's like, where's your basketball team? Do you have one? <laughs> they said, yeah. Um come back in a few hours I went home came back a few hours and then I think that specific moment was the moment I actually left my family 
because I went to Ripley House and then after that it was like Ripley House every day. Ripley House. You discovered something else. Yeah, so I went I went to Ripley House because at that after, prior to that I was trying to be like my uncles, you know, and that that wasn't gonna get me nowhere, and obviously it wouldn't have because all my uncles have been in and out of prison, all of them, and so. Uh, so yeah, so then I went to Ripley House, and that's kind of where I connected with all my ni- '90s friends. You know, everybody from from all over Second World, because from from that small area, like Super Street from Lockwood to, uh, we didn't even go towards Eastwood Park. You know, we rarely would go to that area because that was a whole different area. Yeah. And then we didn't go to uh, was it uh, uh, City Gas, and then we didn't go to Little Mexico, going towards Plain Homes towards yeah, the yeah, beach. Yeah. We didn't go towards that area, and we, and we didn't. De- we definitely didn't go to Magnolia. Yeah, yeah. You know? And back in the day, that was a big, uh, that was a big, no-no. a big no-no. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I went to Ripley House, and then that's kind of where I hung out with everybody. And so I would say most, for the most part, I was all in Second Ward. And occasionally, like I would go to s- different areas, but it was always going with the intentions of knowing that I'm from Second Ward. So people are gonna know if you're from from Second Ward or not. Yeah. This is weird, like. It's almost like you can smell that they were <laughs> they were from a, a certain neighborhood. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's got to they were a different meat. And the gangs then were, were it was it was heavy. It, the colors was heavy, man. Was, so let me ask you that question. Um, how how did you stay away from that, or what kept you away from it? Yeah, it's it's funny because I actually didn't stay away from it. Um, in in middle school, I would say in elementary, I heard a lot about it. You would hear about um fights that broke out and again I had older uncles that, that ho- always hung out with a lot of the cholos and mm-hmm. pachucos and stuff and then in the 90s you you would hear of gangs and then I went to middle school to Jackson and I remember working one summer and then I went to Wieners and I bought all my off of Harrisburg yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like our footlocker yeah, yeah yeah you know Wieners and and I bought all my my middle school clothes and I went to I went to for the first time in my life in sixth grade, I went to school on the first day, and that was because I'd saved my money. And then in middle school, I got into my dicky days. That was my dicky days. It was dickied out. The entire school was. <laughs> it was like we were wearing uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody was dickied out, and you, you know, you had the green ones, you had the maroon ones, the red ones, the black ones, the white ones. And then around that time, that's kind of when it was like a lot of PSV, VAP, Lenox, Clay Street. Oh, a lot uh, of shit, yeah. Uh, G store, you know, and some of these gangs already were from the early nineties, and they would they would fight off of a uh, off a of Clay Street, in Blaird, I think it was right next door to uh, to Jackson to Jackson Middle School. There used to be a circle, and everybody would go fight there. But yeah. now it's would it be considered a dead end. Yeah, yeah, and um, so people would go do that there, but uh, so so a lot of those gangs that I mentioned, those were the gangs that. That I actually hung out with, so a lot of those guys are probably still around. There's another guy named Sir Loco. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm-mm. He was he was a crazy dude. Like, there's a crazy story about him getting run over and getting up and be like, "Yeah, second war." <laughs> After he got run over, damn. He survived and gets up and just you know. So, but for the most part, so I hung out with a lot of those guys, and I I think I ducked I ducked a few times because. I used to walk from, like I said, from Canal Street. I would take the trail. Everybody takes the trail probably now. Yeah, take yeah, it to yeah. Jackson or go to Austin. Yeah. Uh, where you're passing through, you're passing by the churches off of uh, Lockwood. Yeah. And you're going to all the way all the way down. You're going to pass and go through 
there's yeah, and then you're also gonna go through uh, east, east eastward Park. You have yeah, and you're gonna, gonna go, go all the way down, and you pass Matamoros to get to Jackson. Or you go yeah. to Jack in the Box, go to Austin, and you know, in second ward off of Pope. But uh, I used to walk to school uh, with the two guys named Twins that we call the Twins, and I think they hung out with a lot of guys from BAP, and we used to walk to school together. And one one day I just I I don't know if I was late or woke up late, but I didn't walk with them. And that was the day that uh, one of them got killed. They were walking, and right off of Polk, there used to be a tire shop where the shows shows at off of Polk Street, going towards Jackson. They actually got shot at by guys from Central Park. Damn. And one of them got shot, and one of them died. And I used to walk with these guys every day. And that was the day, the day that I didn't walk with them was the day that that happened. And soon after that, I think the guy they were trying, if I'm correct, the guy they were trying to shoot was another friend of mine named Droopy. He went by the name Droopy. And he just had a big mouth on him. But he was from Second Ward. So I think that they ended up shooting the wrong guy. The wrong guy. And I remember that the next day, man, if you were from Central Park or Magnolia, they were just jumping on you. It was crazy that day. That, And I remember uh, that, gone, that went on for a week. And then what ended up happening is the guys from Central Park would come to, they would come to Jack in a Box. And I remember one guy, I remember just, we all went to Jack in a Box. Because they're like, yeah, they're going to come, they're going to come. And I was just standing there. And I remember guys were talking. And again, I knew everybody from Austin. We were in ninth grade. Yeah. And so so I knew guys from like Lenox and you guys. And everybody actually kind of got cut it up for the first time. All these different gangs that were still in like a three mile radius. Yeah, yeah, we're still beefing with They were beefing with each other. They were not beefing with each other anymore. They were like together. And I remember they came towards me and I was like, oh, damn, what the heck? They think I'm from Central Park? <laughs> but they looked at another guy next to me and they're like, like, where are you from? And all he did was like, he just raised his arms and had his folders and he just dropped them. And he walked in the middle and it just swelled on him. And I guess he ended up being from Central Park. He just was like, I'm taking it like a man. And they, they jumped on him. Like the entire second war just jumped on him for like a good three or four minutes until the cops came and took him away. So, so people were beefing around that time. So I would say around that time, I think it was probably mid nineties. The beef was really hard, you know? And again, like I was never quote unquote per se, like I'm in, I'm getting clicked in or I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, but you were still around it. But I hung out with everybody. So yeah, yeah. even now thinking about it, like I couldn't got a, I could have just gotten caught up because just by association, because I hung out with a lot of these guys and and I've I've recently heard stories of like some of them still around, you know, just get stuck, man. You get stuck and just a blue rag for life, you know. My veterano, you know. Yeah. They, they still some of them still exist in Second Ward, you know, and that that's kind of how how I grew up. And although although I claimed that I was from Second Ward, it was like I claimed it, but I wasn't around walking like. You know, I'm from Second Ward. You know, where are you from? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was never like that because we were also playing basketball at Ripley House, so it was like we were still Second Ward. If you came and we knew, we knew you weren't from there, you would you might still would get checked, but we weren't to the point where we were gonna like shoot you or, or stab you. Yeah, that yeah. didn't come kind of till later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but yeah, so that's kind of was kind of how I moved around and, and grew up in Second Ward. And again, we just didn't go nowhere. You didn't you didn't move out anywhere. Because you know you was going to be problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if I went towards uh, Magnolia, it was only because I was going to, like, Mexican Park for a party. And then that was it. That I would come, we would come back. But we never went to, like, 
in Central Park and went to the park. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I never went. It's different times, man. It's crazy. And then I remember going uh, to Mason Park one time. This was, I was already dancing this time. I was already dancing, and that's when I met Moy for the first time. Moy and a bunch of the guys that were from Magnolia. They were all from either from Magnolia or Central Park, which is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were, they were breaking, and they invited me to go, and I, I didn't want to go because I was kind of I was scared. You know, I was nervous. And that was probably the only time when that whole breaking thing happened. That's kind of when it was a, a little leniency with people going to like different neighborhoods. Because because in ninety, I was in seventh grade, sixth grade when I started breaking. It was probably in like 95, 94. At that time, I would say like all of Second Ward, it like diminished. The, the, the gangster part kind of diminished, and everybody kind of got into breaking. Because there was people there was there was even like a few guys from like BAP. They were getting into dancing. And I remember having guys come up to me like, yo, we want to, we want you to teach us. There's a guy named Manuel, and he used to hang around with VAP. And he was like, yo, man, I want you to teach me. And I was like, no. I didn't want to teach guys because, you know, I'm over here teaching, like, these these gangster dudes how to break. That's going to, like, mix in kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, then they're going to attach, like, their, their gangsterism, whatever they call it. Yeah, they're gonna bring that to it, and then what is it gonna become after that? Yeah, it's just gonna become trash. Yeah, that probably would have been really bad for Houston, you know. And then so I'd, be, I'd have been responsible for it. <laughs> you know? Blame that guy. But but yeah, I would say for the most part, I mean, he's he's you know, second one was still chill, but it was still crazy. You know, you would still get checked. Obviously, we knew if you weren't from there. Point and simple. We just we knew if you weren't from there, and like I said, City Gas to Ripley House is not that far away. Which is pretty crazy, right? Yeah. How how there, not, there not, was so many differences. Not even within, three miles. Yeah, and there were still differences there. Yeah, there's a lot of differences, and like I said, everybody kind of stuck together. We all hung out, and it wasn't until later when we, you know, kind of segregated. But but the gangs were around, you know what I mean? But but I, but I think that soon towards uh, the, the late '90s, I think a lot of the guys who were gang banging, they all went into that whole uh, baller phase. I want to be baller now. You know, I want to make money. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember knowing guys from Northside who were crazy as well, and guys from Denver Harbor who were probably some of the craziest that I've ever seen from Denver Harbor. Yeah. Those guys were, were pretty loony, you know, and uh, they all went into the whole I'm, I'm a hustler, you know, I'm, I'm a baller now. And, and they just wanted to make money, and wear gold, and drive nice cars. In that whole thing of all of that going on, all that type of shit going on around you, how is it that you stick to your craft of dancing and say, this is my lane? So, so like I said, you know, we, we hung around with people and even people that were G's came around, but they just knew that we didn't, we didn't mix, you know? Um, but you know, I got into dancing in 94. When I got into dancing, like I said, everybody else got into it. Like the whole, the entire neighborhood, neighborhoods were, were breaking. And um, I just kind of kept doing it, kept practicing. Me and my boy Felix, who who lived off of Lovejoy, uh, near Ripley House. And my other boy named Jonathan, um, they, they lived right across the street from, from Ripley House. And a bunch of other guys that, that played ball, uh, they kept playing ball. And I think that kind of saved us a little bit. And then when I got into dancing, uh, I just think it, it just changed my mind a little bit. I don't I don't know what it was because you know there's there a lot of guys that were in second ward who were just as good as me, and to today probably would have been just as good or better. 
um, a lot of guys just kind of died out. For some reason, I just had a, a way of just kind of just sticking with it. You know, I liked it, and for for me, breaking was free. Like not free in the sense of a free expression. It was free like money. Like <laughs> it didn't take money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember. You see, when the first time, right now when you said that, I was thinking like you were starting. Oh, it's freeing. Like you get what I mean? You no, know, like, no. I mean like literally, it was free. Like there was, because I remember. Uh, you know, we had bikes. We all had BMXs or like a GT, and you would ride the neighborhood. And then either your bike would get stolen, or you get a flat tire. Now you gotta get money to to get that. Or we wanted to get into skateboarding, but skateboarding was too expensive. The board the board was like a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. That was expensive then. And so, again, breaking was free, so we did it because it was free, and all you needed was a radio. And we went down to the, the store. And we asked for their their boxes, and we taped them all up and made a dance floor, you know. And that's and even before that, we were practicing my my friend Felix's garage. So, uh, short story short, I, I just think I just stuck with it because it was because of that notion, you know. And I realized that it was keeping me out of trouble and kind of keeping me away from a lot of the other stuff that was going on. Because a lot of my other friends were were getting in trouble. Uh, one of my other friends was. They beat up some guy with like a, a shot off shotgun and Damn. that was his there goes his whole nineties life, you know. He was in jail for what, eight years, nine years? There goes uh living the nineties. Living the nineties. So his nineties could have been with me and yeah. his nineties went to to jail because they beat up some some girl. It was a store called Ninety Niners and they jumped this dude there and beat him with just a shot off shotgun. You know? Just 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 cause he was talking to his girl and so a lot, of, a lot of stories like that, and again, I just stuck with it. I, I, honestly, I think it was by choice, man, by a luck of choice. I just kind of stuck with it, and never really thought about it, because you're not really thinking about stuff consciously. Like you're not yeah. thinking like, "Oh, I'm living in the '90s." Yeah, of course. It's, you know, you're not yeah. really thinking that way. You're not thinking like, 20 years from now, I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna be flying here and I'm gonna be kind of cool. You know, you, you're not thinking that way. You're just thinking like, hey, "I'm just staying out of trouble. My boys are getting in trouble." Either they get in trouble or they're just smoking weed and drinking. And although I did do some of that, I was still always kind of conscious because I knew I came from a crazy family. Mm-hmm. Like my, my Ramirez side was very crazy, very crazy. And uh, so I knew I came from that. So although, so it's like I was still kind of conscious where I knew that I could easily become that. I was still trying to make slight choices to what I knew, to what I knew. Because again, my exposure was still very limited. I, I hadn't been out of... I hadn't even been to Austin yet, San Antonio yet. You know? So uh, let me ask you something that uh, I'm asked this because being from the neighborhood that mm-hmm. we're from, were, uh, were you the older brother? So I was the older brother. No, so I am an older brother in the sense that I have a younger sister, Amanda, you grew up with, and a younger brother named Roy. And then, but I had an older sister. Her name is Sandy. So she's the one who kind of lived everything with me. So she can attest to everything that I've said because we we lived it. You know, we were always together and we were very close. And we spent a lot of time with our grandparents. So so I was an older brother in a sense that I was older than my other two siblings, but I, hold, I had an older sister. But again, I left at such a young age that it was kind of, I wasn't able to be a, an older brother, an older brother to them because I was gone, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say, honestly, the fact that I left my family, I think that's probably the biggest choice, the biggest and best choice I ever made that allowed me to be here now. Because up to that point, I was hanging. I was trying to follow my other uncle named Stevie, and in second word, he went by the name called Malias. And it, it was 
I realized when my uncle was crazy when when I had people that didn't even know who's my uncle telling me stuff about my uncle. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. guy named Malias, he's crazy, he's doing this, he's doing that and yeah. and, and doing like like uh making a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And so when I started hearing stuff like that, I realized damn my uncle's crazy. And again, I might say that's that you know, I'm not putting on my uncle, you know, all I'm saying is that I was trying to be like family members and the fruit of that never it was always bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that when I left my family, as hard as that was, doing that at like 11 or 12 years old, that that made a big impact on me because now I had a whole different other influence, you know, that I had. Prior to that, I was just trying to be like my uncle Stevie, and he was a good artist. He drew. That's how. That's where I got inspired by draw. You know, drawing. And then he went to the pen. He was in there for like 10 years, 15 years. Uh, so I had uncles kind of coming in and out. So. I think that that alone made a big difference, and although it sucks to say that, that like moving away from my family was like probably the best thing for me. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's still one of those things that I kind of I've struggled with as growing up. You know, because you question like, oh man, you know, it would have been cool to grow up. Although I did grow up with him in the '80s and with my cousins, and I still have those memories of like all the aunts and uncles coming and going yeah. up together and. The, they're listening to Ramona Ayala and just, mm-hmm. they're just drinking beer, having a good time. Grandmother's cooking inside. All the kids are running around, playing, you know, playing games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still had those moments, but I would say that that made a big difference for me because leaving my family, I realized that, oh, there's another way of doing things, you know? And so that's kind of how that, that kind of how, how that worked out. Uh, earlier, you said something uh, that really caught my attention, which you said was, as you've gotten older, you've gotten to appreciate a little bit more where you uh, where you came from. I guess at the time you probably were frustrated at the process, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because I, I don't think you ever, like I said, you don't think about it. Like, like I'm wearing a shirt from like 1994, or 95, like this vintage Tucson Rockets shirt. You know, I think even living in that time, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't thinking about it. Like I'm living here, or like. <laughs> You know, this shirt's going to go for $100 in 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, you're not thinking that way. So, I think as I got older and have a family, yeah, I have a more uh, appreciation for it. And now now that uh, over time, you just realize, like, man, like, those were golden moments, you know? Like, did we have nothing? Yes. You know, most of us had nothing. Or we maybe had one friend who was, like, rich poor. And he was rich poor because he had everything. He yeah. had all the video games. My boy Felix, obviously, he's, he was a rich poor kid. Like, he wasn't rich, but he had everything. Like, yeah, he was in the same hood with you, but he just had everything. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, he yeah. would... Uh, doesn't make him... <laughs> yeah, his parents bought him the, the Sega Genesis, the Nintendos. And as a result, it saved him because he never left the house. As a result, everybody from the neighborhood went to his house. So, in a way, they kind of saved a lot of other people, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of those people eventually still went and did their thing and maybe didn't do good with their life, but... They had those options, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so those things like that, I, I kind of cherish, and and I think that second war was, you know, it was it was still hood, but it was still awesome, you know. It was still uh, it's still family. It was like family, but but problems with family type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everybody stuck together, and and again, you just you didn't think that things were gonna change, you know. We didn't have cell phones, you know. We walking around with cassette players and. I remember every Friday or Monday or Sunday, either Friday or sun- Sunday, we would all come together and everybody would bring their clothes together, bring their jerseys and shorts and be like, okay, we would trade off clothes. <laughs> and then 
come Monday, we was all rocking a different rocking, outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's like you you're not consciously thinking that like oh, that's kind of cool. That's a kind of cool. I it's a cool idea. We just was doing it because we were just trying to make it happen. You know what I mean? It's funny because I remember uh, being in my brother. We shared a room. Him and another cousin would come and they would do the same shit, man. Just it start. Hey, I'm gonna borrow this or I'm gonna borrow that one, and then yeah, he would show up from stuff from other somebody else. I don't know. I think it it's it's cool to. Uh, I don't know. In a way, I didn't live through it, right? But being the little brother and seeing that, I thought sure. it was pretty dope. You and Second Ward was fun. It was still fun. I mean, there was a lot of life in Second Ward. You know what I mean? Like there was there was a lot going on. Um, you would see a lot of families outside barbecuing. That that feeling. It's it's kind of like when people hear uh, these these old Spanish songs, or like you hear like a mas, mm -hmm. you know, group of mas. Mm -hmm. If you hear these songs, it for me it gives me these memories of like when I was a kid running around yeah. outside and. It's just straight Mexican, like... Families cleaning family. inside, that carne asada yeah, you know, outside. And cooking, it's like... That's how Second World was, kind of, in those days. And people were partying. Nobody was calling the cops on nobody. You know, and like, there was no curfew. You know, curfew didn't come till later. You know, you could be out at four in the morning. Shit. You were like 10, 11 years old <laughs> at four in the morning. And then they instituted, you know, the whole, you know, curfew. And even after that, we still, we were still out. You know, and then cops occasionally would mess with you. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it was it was a special time, man. And and I think a lot more families were there. I think obviously now it's changed. You know, second world is very different now. Well, how, what how do you feel about the change now? I mean, I think it's different in a way that um, it's uh, it's gentrified. You know, it's um, there's families that you would have never never saw there. I think I was I was passing by there about a month ago occasionally because I get a haircut in Second Ward. Mm -hmm. The ladies there off off right there at the off Lockwood. One of the ladies she cuts my hair, and a Mexican lady. And occasionally when I get my haircut there, I drive to my neighborhood just to see if I'm gonna see any of my friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I stop and sometimes I don't stop. Mm -hmm. Depending on who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyhow, I went by there and uh, actually going towards City Gas, I seen a lady walking with a poodle. Like eight, eight at night, walking with a poodle, and I'm just like, <laughs> she's walking in Second Ward with her poodle, just like, like it's Memorial Park, and and I and it's it's when I see those type of things that I realize like how much has changed because you would have never seen that, you know, you would have never seen uh, people riding their bikes, you know, because they're working out, you know, you would have never seen that type of stuff. So although although like I said, it was really fun. Again, if you you didn't see a lot of that different type of color. It was either like very, very Mexican, occasionally some black, you know what I mean? And obviously they changed the name to Edu. <laughs> I remember coming back in 2013 and everybody kept telling me, Edu, Edu, Edu. And the entire time I'm just kind of shaking my head like a dummy, like, yeah, Edu. And one day I just, a uh, guy named Cosmo, I was like, uh, hey Cosmo, what is Edu? He's like, oh man, that's second word, man. It's like, second ward? What do you mean second ward? So then I realized that they changed the name. Yeah. I, I didn't even know because I was in LA for five years. So uh, so like I said, you know, the changes is, is kind of self-evident. You know, you also have a lot of big big houses, expensive houses. So I think it's, it's also unfortunate because a lot of the families that grew up there, their kids probably will not grow up there because the taxes have gotten higher. So if you have a you know family who's been in second ward since the 80s or 90s, you know, their taxes was a lot cheaper 
then they're becoming more expensive yeah. even for them to live yeah, there even if they own their own exactly because if you own your house and you bought your house when it was like 50 or 60 thousand 30 40 years ago you know now they built you know five hundred thousand dollar lots you know townhomes next to you what's going to happen to your area it's just going to go up higher so i i think that uh in some ways it's good because obviously it's bringing some a lot of clean cleanness to mm -hmm. second ward but at the same time you know a lot of the families that grew up in second ward their kids and their kids kids probably won't grow up there oh yeah it won't because be, it's going to be, be i mean I, i spent my entire life trying to get out of second ward and now i've thought about going back you know to buy and i've looked at townhouses and stuff you know because of how of how, how like it's gonna be a good investment basically yeah you know what i mean but unfortunately a lot of the people won't be there probably you know and it just seems very like uh it just seems very different you know it doesn't feel like what it used to feel like even like ripley house ripley house back then you could go there and just be like go play ball now you gotta go there and you have to register and you have to yeah it's very different very different you know what i mean and i mean obviously i think that time changes you know what i mean um, so i can only imagine what jackson middle school is like what austin middle school is like well austin's you know? about to get redone so oh really yeah they're gonna knock it down wow start some whole new bog in there yeah so again you know my my senior year was the year that they instituted uh uniforms prior to that there was no uniforms and we just we're gonna wear whatever you want and that was that was a big change for us you know what i mean um and khaki and blue and white and at that point you could still wear the polo you could still have the polo polo and tommy hilfiger so everybody went to the polo and tommy that hilfiger. was a swag yeah we didn't wear champion, champion and the polo like, boots were popping back in back then oh yeah really. man everybody was at the club with the polo boots <laughs> all prepped out you know but uh so yeah so i think it's different you know it's but i think it's inevitable because everything is changing i think in some ways it's sad i mean i think that the old Maxwell House is closing down. So a lot of like monuments that was like Second Ward, um, they just like, it, it becomes a typical American thing, just break it down, just tear it down and build yeah. something new. So there's no like cool landmarks that we can refer back to and say, this was Second Ward. Correct. Well, not even Second Ward, but you do. You know what I mean? Because I already that. changed the name, so then what do you have to reference to yeah, it, so right? What do you have so left? it's so memories but and landmarks, but when they start deleting that, then what do you have, right? Yeah, I mean, what are we going to have left? Just Guadalupe Plaza, maybe maybe the, the library off of Milby Street. Flores. <laughs> and the, the, the Raspa place that's probably not even open anymore, you know. They moved it to uh, in front of Eastwood. Oh, really? Oh, yes. so that's a spot? Yes. Okay, because I grew up going. I mean, uh, there's another store called Binky's. Uh, I used to go there a lot, Binkies. It's literally down the street, so here's where that the last place was, off of Milby, and you walk down a few streets, and then you're gonna see Binkies is on your right side, and then we have the the quick the quick store, yeah, off of Lockwood. So I mean, you have like little little bitty spots that you can look back and say, man, those that's I grew up there, but for the most part, it's just changing, and it just becomes the like I said, the unfortunate American way of like just tear down. So I wish that in a way that we'd be more of a, a European way, because Europeans don't do that often. They cherish their history. They, they, they they'll they'll build around it and they leave they leave things like I mean you go to Denmark, you go to Croatia, you go to places and you you're gonna see that even those guys will say yeah you know I grew up there as a kid, you know I have memories there, and it's still there, but not here. It's like here it's like if it's not making money, we're just gonna tear it down and 
build something something else so what what will second war be the second war that it was for me now I, I you know it won't be i don't think anything is what it was for us but at least trying to keep like little pieces yeah, yeah keep it <laughs> keep know? a little bit of it you know that that's why i thrift and that's why i collect stuff because i you know my daughters talk to me about it and i'm able to kind of like bring a, a bit of a memory but they can be a memory for them yeah you know because they, they'll never experience that you know what i mean but I mean, I, I mean, I got tattooed second word. Oh, no, I, I remember when uh, you know? <laughs> I seen you at, uh, I think it was at 8 Wonder, I seen you. And then you were like, yeah, man, uh, my wife, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell she's going to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, I think uh, my wife has supported everything, everything that I've ever done in my life. Except that. <laughs> because for her, because, because for her, she knows, she knows my story. Yeah. Depth. So she knows all the good, she knows all the bad. So she's like, you know, you... You did all this to try to get out, and, and why so would you want to reference now you it? You branded, you branded yourself, but but now it's different. Back then, if I was doing it, it would have been very stupid because I was doing it for wrong reasons for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, I could probably get shot over this. Correct, stupid correct. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, but now it's just different. Second War is not what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I could probably go to Central Park now with this, and yeah, chances are probably nothing will happen. Correct. You know what I mean? Because it's just it's a it's a different time now, so it's more of a it speaks about of who I am and why I come from. And then I've always represented Houston. I mean, always. Even when I was in LA for five years. How was that experience, living in LA? Living in LA for five years was, was great, man. You know, um, it's a different life. It's a different, it's a whole different thing, man. You know, it's not like uh, Houston. What took you to LA? I uh, dancing, man. I went, I went out there to dance. I got an agent out there and everything from commercials, movies uh, that I could audition and book that's what I did so I was basically basically living the entertainer life out in out in LA and coming from second ward going there it's a, it's a big difference you know it's a big eye opener you know um, I came back eating healthier you know living life healthier so you know Houston is very behind on that you know, we still eat our meat and our yeah 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 you know even when we've gone I mean we've gone a few times and we uh we're like shit. Where's the fajita? At? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna find it over there. No, you're not. You know, it's gonna be different. But but yeah, you know, I have no complaints. Uh, I I experienced a lot of a lot of things and I learned a lot of things out there. Um, I learned a lot about the entertainment industry, how that works, and then you know, I just felt the calling to come back. You know, I was gonna have my second daughter, and uh, you know, I just, went, I just felt like that time that season was ending, and you know, it, it ended, and you know, I just ended up. I head back home, you know, but, um, I guess even now I'm still moving a lot, you know? Yeah, 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 Constantly for sure. still moving. But, but, I hope that, i am actually been working kind of like on a, a rough draft of kind of like that history of Second Ward, like the dancing era, because I, ha- I actually have footage of a little bit of that time, so then that would be kind of something cool eventually to, to show, you know, having that footage and... And I've had to collect like different cameras so that I can kind of put all that together. When you look at back uh, where, where you started dancing and stuff like that, do you think it's changed to nowadays? Yeah, I mean, dance totally has changed, you know. I mean, from when I started in Second Ward. When I started in Second Ward, um, it was like we were we were dancing, but we didn't know what we were doing. And we kind of were just acting like, what we, like we knew what we were doing. Yeah. And we referred to like 
uh, there was some guys a group called Coral which I ended up becoming a member of later on and that's kind of the name that I represented for like you know 15 years but those guys were like house dancers and freestyle dancers and then we went to breaking so some of them were breaking too and then there was other groups from like Northside they were breaking so we looked at them as well but then we also looked at like um, different, a couple other videos like uh, B-Boy Summit uh, Battle of the Year 1995 uh, these were also videos of events that were they were kind of already ahead of us like like Houston kind of the down the south was kind of in, in, a, in a lot of ways I actually I, 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 I carry like an honor badge with me about it because we kind of got things later and so for us to be able to like still keep up having gotten stuff so late it, it speaks volumes of like the creativity and like the artistic uh, power that we have yes you know what I mean because like we're in the down south so there wasn't like you can go to you know iTunes and, and buy music you know what I mean there was none of that so yeah. if songs came out in LA first or New York first it came out there first and then it kind of came down uh, to the south so whether whether it was DJing whether it was uh, breaking you know uh, MCing graffiti you know it always came to the south much later and then the, the, the south kind of absorbed it or Houston or even like house dancing that was brought down by a guy named Shadow uh, in the early 90s you know and I just kind of came brought, brought down by one guy you know and then so 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 it, it it's it's changed and it's evolved you know um, it's, I don't think that it's going to be the same how it was before but it's, it's, it's drastically changed you know but but again being from Houston and being from Second Ward uh, the fact that we have gotten things much later and trying to still create um, and having to kind of be forced creative because you're having to create from nothing so, so now it's a bit different because if you want to create something you can go online and like get ideas kind of reference then there was no there was no reference and so we were kind of just going and going and learning and learning by by each other in a way and so again it's just different you know kind of losing my train of thought <laughs> no it's okay it happens yeah um but so you joined this uh you're in this dance crew and then you said that the first time you meet Moy is that one of these things and then um i think that's later on in the future is when the two crews came together right yeah yeah so so a lot of so again my first group was called uh, vr visual rhythms and we were uh half of us were from from second ward it was me rick little eric uh, felix and a few other guys one was from denver harbor two were from denver harbor and another guy was from the north side but he he ended up quitting right away so um, we we were in a group called VR, which is called Visual Rhythms, and we were being mentored by a group called Coral, and that was five other guys. Um, and so those guys were teaching us, and then they kind of you know adopted us into their group. We gave up our name to go with their name, and then sooner soon after we met uh, some of the guys from Havoc, who were from the Magnolia area, Central Park area, and we kind of connected with them that's when I met some of them at Mason Park and we just kind of kept practicing so even even there in that area a lot of people were dancing as well that, that quit and that group kind of stayed alive and our group stayed alive and then you had other groups from Northside that were alive as well and yet like another group called Chaos uh, from the early mid 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 and late 90s 
and they were they were a really dope group. Another group called Breakforce. They were from the north side as well. So you had you had great groups that were doing their thing. But again, like they all kind of just fell out. And then I would say around 90, towards like the late 90s, as breaking started to get much bigger, then it's kind of like it, re- it resurged and more people started doing it. And that's where we used to go to YA. Yeah. And practice like every week. And they would have like small jams there. And then we went to be with 799. And that's when we both, we all went together in like this big van. And some of the guys from Havoc went on their own on the bus. We ended up all riding back home together. It was like 20 of us in like a 60 passenger van, something like that. <laughs> it was like literally yeah, yeah, yeah. packed all the way home. But we had a blast, you know? And so when we got there, we realized that we, it was like we knew we were dope and that we were fresh coming out of Houston and coming from different neighborhoods. But when we got to there, we realized there's guys that are just as dope or probably even more dope mm-hmm. than us. And so we realized that we needed to get together. And we would be a much stronger group if we entered together. And so, yeah, the story is that we got together for that day and we entered. And we ended up beating one of the... We ended up beating not the best group at the time. So the group that we beat was beating everybody. Like, all over the world. Everybody. They were just sweeping everybody. And the next thing you know, one, one day we come out, 17-year-olds, and just... We wiped them out. Damn, that's crazy. So it was like a big... It was like a big big changes you know so you have one group who comes out and is sweeping everybody and then we come out and sweep them and are much younger and it just blew up you know and this is without social media so on the way home as I've said before in other podcasts like on the way home we were getting hit up for like other events and we weren't even home yet damn that's crazy and there was no internet there was there was none of that you know what I mean so the news traveled you know very fast so and then that's when flyers were a big thing you know, posting flyers posting everywhere flyers you know getting the name out or going on the radio that was a big thing as well so so yeah the, the changes have been there but that's kind of like some of the brief history with what they have a coral but basically have a coral has always been Houston based you know and you know they've all well, we've all put in a lot of work you know to to make sure that that's a, a landmark you know and 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 it will be you know, it, it will always be. Although I, I don't, I'm not in the group anymore. It will always be a special landmark in Houston, or it, it would always be a um, a template. You know, for the future. And although some of the future fights that, that's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because people are gonna respect it. You know, correct. If, if you mention Houston in terms of hip hop, have a is gonna pop up. You know, or certain names are gonna pop up that. Or be references like those were, or are the the pioneers that kind of built that. You know what I mean? And of course, for the DJ, it's a bit different and graffiti because there's other names that were here in Houston. They were doing the thing. Um, it's funny because before we, uh, <coughs> excuse me, when I went outside and uh, started talking to you, you're like, um, yeah, where do I start with how much I do, man? Um, would you say um, what what inspires you to not stay limited when you create? No, I think uh, I, I have this philosophy that that uh, I don't know if it's a philosophy or it's an idea, but you know, if you look at the, the scriptures, right? You look at um, Genesis one verse one. Mm-hmm. It says, in, "In the beginning, which is not God's beginning, but it's it's a be- it's a beginning where God was creating this 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 universe. So there's three dimensions, right? There's like 
there's like this dimension time that we live in and in space and then there's like outside of time where God lives and so it says in the beginning which is our beginning God created and so I've always thought that when I first read even when I read it in my in middle school when I first read that that verse not even knowing what I was reading or not even understanding just reading it for myself it always stuck out to me like in the beginning God created so we find that in the beginning like we find God creating like he's this creating person mm-hmm. personification of, of, of creating that knows limitless creation and so I've always kind of taken that with myself to say well if I'm made in that image I'm made in the image to create so I'm, I'm a creator by nature we're all creators and I think that if you find people who are frustrated in life most times it comes down to that it will come down to a lack of being not being able to create what it is they feel inside them that needs to come out and create so I, I would guarantee you that if you weren't if you didn't have this space right now and like you were just working the job you have where you're not cutting hair creating you're not doing these type of uh, podcasts the things that that they're more than monetary right the monetary can come out of it but they're more than that yeah they're more satisfying than you that. would be a frustrated person yeah or if you didn't have you know your cameras to record like you would be a frustrated because it's a, it's beyond the monetary issue it's a it's a creative it's it's part of your DNA so again that's always, that's something I've always took with me and so I think that there there are dimensions of creating I think that there are early stages of creating where you're trying to create something I think the hardest thing to create is to create out of nothing and then that's the hardest place to come out of and I think that we're at a place now as creative artists regardless because now everything is an artist really yes everything whether it's sculpting whether it's MCing whether it's building computers whether it's cutting hair whether it's uh, collecting art I mean it's it's all an art now and so but I think that now to define the cream of the crop the crop is is those who create from nothing and I think that's very hard to do at the moment because there's so much there's so much out there that it's hard for you to kind of tap out of it so I think for me that that's always been my priority is trying to like create out of nothing and and then also just like just just start start somewhere and I think for myself do, do I hit seasons where I kind of get stuck I think that happens to all of us whether because I also paint as well and so there's times when I paint and I'm I get stuck yeah yeah, yeah. you know or if I'm dancing I get stuck so but I, I learned that freestyling is like a very very a very very important thing to creativity so I always I always take like creativity and freestyling together because you know they go hand in hand so if you're creating but you get stuck if you just freestyle and just go with it go with something it eventually will come you know and so as a creative person my priority has always been to do something that speaks me or it speaks what I'm thinking or I'm feeling or wanting to express and but also that can be something that can be understood but also be be clean and look and look nice. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. But I, I think I've always been a creative person. From as far as like, I mean, when I walked in, the first thing I saw was that Bart on your, your laptop. Yeah. And I, I grew up drawing Bart. You know, uh, all the Bart Simpsons, Ninja Turtles. And I still collect all that stuff. You know, and so 
I think I was just always a creative person. Do do I think that some people are more creative than others? I think in in some ways, yeah. But I think that at the same time, we're all creative people. We were we were we were created to create. We just create differently. I thought it was a very amazing. I had never thought about it that way. The way you put it, in the beginning of the Bible, it does say, um, "God created." Mm-hmm. I never thought about it that way. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I, I learned something right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. But uh, yeah, so but again, you know, it's it's. I think as artists, you know, regardless of the changes, you know, we've seen these changes. You know, the, the creative process needs to be the most important, or should always at least be the priority. You know, as artists do. Because that, obviously that's how you stay. Um, that's how you stay consistent, and you stay. You would say um, up to speed, or updated, and staying fresh. You know, with the changes. You know. Speaking of fresh, you do stay fresh for being a uh, uh, old school. I try, man. <laughs> you still look. You still. <laughs> you don't dress the way uh, you would think you're. I would think you were younger, bro. Yeah, so, yeah. So well, yeah, I'm you now 37 now, but I probably dress like I'm 19. Nah, I would say you you, you rock it well, bro. Thanks, man. I would man. say that. Um, tell us a little bit about else about what else is it that you do. I know you do DJing and what else. Yeah, so I actually, um, well, I dance full time, as I was saying. So I travel full time doing uh, judging, judging a lot of events, uh, whether it's judging, whether it's doing workshops, uh, teaching workshops, uh, part of camps, and then I also. Um, so, so aside from that, I also also DJ as well. So I've actually been collecting vinyl since 2001. I was into vinyl earlier on in life, but not as a collector. It was more like my uncles had records and they had um, cassettes. And my dad actually used to sell, he used to hustle cassettes. So he used to have like big boxes of like cassettes, like all over the house. Damn. And he would go and sell them. So he would either go to Pearland, La Pulga, and sell them. Yeah. Or he would go, because he was a musician as well. But he would go to these, um, there's an old club from the 80s. And it used to be called Fantasia. And it's off of the wayside. It's right next door to yeah, to Redwood. Portal. Now it's called El Portal. Yeah. But in the 80s, it was called uh, Fantasia. What? I didn't and even know that. my dad used to go there and would hustle tapes. And, uh, Selling all the old, all, yeah. all the all the all the old school ones. All the huh? all the old school tapes, and so I, I think that's kind of how I was kind of raised into music. But yeah, so I started DJing. Uh, I would say, quote unquote, DJing like three years. So I've been collecting vinyl, digging way longer, a lot longer. But again, I, I grew up around DJs, and so now I I spend for like events, you know, spending for like battles or like ciphers. I also spend for you know corporate events, you know, weddings. I'm I'm kind of what you would say the the open format DJ. Yeah. Um, I have my preferences of what I like. Like of I course. like funk. I like I like breaks. Um, I I'll kill it in some Tejano music, man. I saw last time. That's when I thought it was pretty dope. I saw on your social media you posted. I think I forgot if it was La Mafia. I don't know who yeah, it was, man. but you posted some Tejano, and I was like, yeah. damn, okay. He, yeah, he's man. open to it. Yeah, I I listen to everything and. Especially on Sundays, you know, on Sundays I'll play some, some music. Or Sunday something. is typically the day, right, to play everything. And I'm, I'm turning to my mom, man. I'm, <laughs> like, 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 I'm listening to um, to cello and, you know, cleaning up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? so, so, yeah, so I DJ also as well and do a lot of different things with that. So that's keeping me busy. And then I started a drone business last year. Um, I, I fly an Inspire uh, drone. And then I got a certification for that. And so... 
and then also do video so just kind of connect them both so it just kind of depends on what they're looking for uh, with the drone stuff it's it kind of sky's the limit I used to be very limited to just only real estate but now it's kind of open to a lot of other things and so that's I've still been kind of digging into a lot of that and that's kind of taken a lot more of my time lately um, because a lot more work is coming that way and I'm also a pastor as well so really been, yeah I've been a pastor since 2000 in Actually, I was going to say 2003, but it's not. I say became a pastor in 2008, maybe. Man, I didn't know that, man. Yeah, I became a pastor around that time. And I actually was already a believer prior to that in 2002. But from 2002 to for the last like 10, 11 years, I used to just spend a lot of time studying like Hebrew, Arabic, and Greek, like my personal time. And just kind of studying a lot of the history, world history, and things like that. And so, I also did that as well. So, I'm kind of like in a lot of different places, man. Um, and I also collect toys. <laughs> collect uh, vintage clothes. So, hey, so let, me, let, uh, so let me ask you this, man. Now that you touched on the pastor part, man. Um, so, I grew up... Catholic? No, Christian. Okay. I grew up... Um, Going to church, man, and everything, you know. That's why I was very amazed right now when you said that. I never even thought the easiest thing to read is the beginning of the Bible, you know. It's God created. I never even thought about it. That's why I was amazed by it. But um, being now, uh, you know, you're a pastor. You're older now. You're doing your thing. You're making moves. And you're around, You're surrounded by so many things on a daily basis. How do you stay... Um, I, I'm trying to find the right way, but how do you stay on the right lane and stay loyal to the faith of God? You know, I uh, I think there's a lot of misconceptions to that to that question, or a lot of stereotypical types of perceptions to that. Um, I I think that the social media has affected that in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think that although I am technically a pastor and I have that license. Um, and on paper, it's, it might seem flashier, or it might seem that maybe God loved me more. I think it's 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 further from the truth. I think that I'm still no different than you or than mm-hmm. than your cousin. I'm no different than anybody else. Like I'm I'm still the same type of human with the same human that has the same potentials to make errors, yes. to make mistakes, to say things I shouldn't say, to do things I shouldn't do. You know. But I think that it it it's like anything else. It's a choice. And just like love, you know, love is a choice. Yes. As much as it is a feeling, it's also a choice. And it's a constant choice that you make every day to say, that I'm, today I'm going to make this choice. And then there's days when you don't make that choice. And you just got to come back to go and to at least, at least try to build a consistency of saying that every day I'm going to say yes. And so I, I think that I'm, I'm very fortunate in a way that I, was ra- I wasn't raised in church. And... Um, Actually, the first guy to ever speak to me about God was, his name was Jimmy. And it was in Second Ward. And he actually lived with us for a moment in my grandparents' house. He was just a family friend from, from Plain Homes. And Jimmy was crazy. He would drink a lot, drinking 40s. But one day he sat me down and he started talking to me about God. He was drinking his 40. Every, every few words he would sip the 40. But he was the first person to talk to me about God and said, you know, God created a man and a woman. And kind of, like him not even knowing that that would be something that would speak to me and stick with me yeah my entire life and again you that's so unorthodox it's so so different than having just a guy who comes knocking on your door 
Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk yeah, yeah. to you about God. This guy was just sitting down, drinking a forty. Because more relatable, also. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're going through it, and for somebody to tell you something like that, it's it's, it's amazing. For sure. So uh, I'll say, the battle I always had was the way. Um, you know, I, I, there's different religions out here, and of course, in the Christian, most of it is where you can't listen to music, you can't do this, you can't do that, and that's where I started falling off, and I started sure. being like that. I don't agree with it because I think. Uh, what you believe in what you how you speak to God and how you carry God and how you represent him is really on you it's exactly I think the same way a choice right so I don't think it's something that could be represented by what I listen to you know what I mean of course sure. if it's something I'm listening to that represents something against that you know and and it's I'm letting that get then yeah but I just don't think it determines it so 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 yeah so so just to touch on the last part of what I was saying is that I, I'm a pastor, and a lot of times people don't even know that I'm a pastor because mm-hmm. they never say it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I I hang around people, whether they cuss a lot, um, whether they drink, you know, just things that that you wouldn't find that you wouldn't think that a pastor would be hanging out with. And again, it's 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 I, I always think about it this way. You know, I had a guy once like once had that conversation with me and said, you know, how can you be a Christian guy and a pastor, but you're, you're dancing to all this music. You know, and I said, and I looked at him, and I said, I said, man, it's like, is the air you're breathing is that Christian air? Touche. Is it is, 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 is it a Christian air? Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you know, the shoes, the clothes you're wearing, like, is it is it all the food you're eating? Is it a Christian? Is it a Christian? And and he just thought about it. I said, look, man, you you got to get it, your head out of the gutter. Yeah. You know, because, and and again, for me, that's why I spent so much. I spent about ten years researching and studying because I I wanted to know why these things were said when they were said and what was the meaning behind what what was said for that time how does that apply to that time in the BC days AD days you know and then how did how did how did I translate that and apply that to, 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 to today yeah and it's, it's yeah. so do I hang out with people that are necessarily not Christian all the time as a matter of fact I feel more comfortable sometimes being around people who are not Christian. Um, I think that there are some technicalities to that, but I feel that in a lot of ways, um, some Christians can be very... Judgmental. Judgmental. Yes. Very close-minded. And I think that it comes as a result because they've not been exposed. Correct. You know? Um, and again, for myself, like I said, you know, I, I can't judge a man... If a man, if a man is exposed, his neck is, if his, if his nakedness is exposed, so if a man cheats on his wife, can I say that was wrong? Yes, I can say that's wrong, but I can't condemn that person because I could, I could possibly end up doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no different. I could, I still have the same, the same uh, temptation. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, is that I'm more cognizant of what's going on spiritually, and so. I hang out with people and the reason I hang out with people is because again I I take the Jesus model and I look at how he did things um, what you brought up is the same the same things they brought up against him well why is he hanging out with these people why is he listening to these things why is he doing these things because if they would have thought that Jesus was because Jesus was technically a rabbi so a rabbi didn't hang out and do, didn't do certain things. He didn't say certain things. He didn't touch certain things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of legalities 
Yeah. That he broke. And and he's saying those things, yeah, they applied at a specific time, but they no longer apply now. And so, therefore, he hung out with people who were dirty, people that weren't educated. And so I, I try to do the same thing in terms of just saying, look, I'm a, I'm a human as well. Do, do I love God? Yes, I love God. Do I think that God is, that God through Christ is the only way? Yes, I do believe that. Do I believe that every other way is not the way? Yes, I still believe that. Can I can I debate that? Yes. Can I do that in a philosophical way? Yes. But at the same time, it all has to be practical. You know what I mean? So, do I, as a Christian, go to church every Sunday? I don't. I don't. I honestly don't. Do I think that... So when I was younger, or when I was a baby Christian, that I think you needed to go every Sunday? Yeah, but that was young. Yes. And it wasn't realistic and it wasn't practical do I think it's important to go to church yes I think it's important especially for your kids more for your kids and, and more for the accountability you know it's kind of like a, it's like if I'm a b-boy if I'm a b-boy but I hang out with no b-boys mm-hmm. I don't go to jams at some point because I'm not interacting and I don't have that communion with those who are similar to me eventually I'm just going to stop breaking correct or if like you're an MC, so because you do because you do podcasts or you do video, you tend to hang out and talk to people who do something similar to mm-hmm. what you do because you have that in common. But if you just stuck to yourself and you didn't do that, eventually you're gonna fall away and you're gonna start hanging around. You're gonna start hanging and doing what what is it you're around. And so I think that Christians um, can be very shallow, and I think that the response that responsibility doesn't fall on those they're judging. But I think it falls on the responsibility of those who should be showing them and teaching them. So for myself, I'm very fortunate because I had good teachers. And I still have mentors that have been with me from the day I got saved. They're still with me. Through thick and thin, through the good and through the bad. You know, through when uh, I struggled with pornography, when I overcame pornography. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were with me and they never left me. And I think that a lot of times within the Christian community, you don't have that. You know, and, and I think in a lot of ways it's much easier to point the finger at somebody and say, yep. this is what's wrong with you as opposed to saying what's wrong with me. But but getting to your point in terms of listening to music. So in my study, I, I've come to realize that uh, it depends on what season you're in. There have been seasons in my life where I couldn't watch certain things because they were going to affect me. So uh, there was a moment, uh, I think it was around 2000 and eight or nine when I was already a Christian but I would still have these small hints of pornography and not pornography in terms of like I'm looking at porno but like seeing on movies and it would just it would flick these these memories of when like when I was a kid looking at porno mm-hmm. playbook books as a kid because my uncles had that stuff but I remember when I when I overcame when I overcame that there would be certain seasons where I, I just couldn't see anything like there was similar to there was a hint of that I couldn't watch movies that had that because it would trigger me and so as a result I, I got away from it and I wouldn't allow it near me and there's times now where I'm up I'm on Facebook like now I'm on my Facebook if I see people post stuff that's that is hint of that I delete them I don't care who it is if you're my boy you number know, one I delete it because they're triggers yeah yeah of course of course it's like a, it's, and for example like drinking like I don't drink you're, you're drinking right now that, that don't bother me you know what I mean because I know it runs in my life you know like my dad dealt with alcohol he was alcoholic I know all the uncles who were alcoholics so because I know that runs in my family I get away from that or at least I don't allow it in my life because I know that can be a problem for me and it probably be, 
probably be a problem for my family. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't do things in moderation because what I do in moderation, my kids can eventually do in extreme. And that's why I don't play with certain things. But although other people do it, I, I can't say that they can't do it because that, that's their life. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So while my family has had a history of alcoholism, somebody else's family might be doesn't have that and maybe he can he can go out and go to a club and have a, a drink for the night and be good and so i think there are seasons where you can you can be open to certain things and you can allow certain things and then there's times when you can't because you're more weak you're more susceptible to make mistakes so if a guy's having problems if a husband is having problems with his wife yeah he shouldn't be going out to a strip club with his boys <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you see what I'm saying yeah, yeah. now if he's gonna go out with his boys to like go play pool okay I can understand that because you you, you, you gotta clear your mind when you're with your boys so so I hope I'm making sense here no 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 totally and so and, and then just to go deeper so again because I, I look everything I look at everything from a, script, a scriptural point of view and I have to and so I look at uh, David King David King David was a worshiper he was a worship leader and he would play worship for uh, King Saul. And when he would come and play worship, which is playing music, although David was a Jewish guy and a believer, he believed in Yahweh, which is Hebrew for God, and believed in God. He believed in God. But the musicians that David would bring to help him, they weren't believers. These were all secular guys. Some of them were pagans. And even though they were pagan, when God would, when he would worship, and his intention was to worship God, God's glory would still come aside from the limitations of who was there and who wasn't there. So I always think about that. Like, so I always say to myself, like, as long as I know I'm covered, I can walk in. Of course, I'm not going to walk into a strip club and be like, yeah, I'm covered, I'm covered by God. You know, God yeah, covered, yeah, yeah, God yeah, covered my eyes. Obviously, there's, there's being stupid and there's being like balance and, and having some common sense. Mm -hmm. So... Do I, do I personally DJ with music that has cuss words sometimes? Yeah. Because sometimes I just don't think about it. If there's kids around, I try not to. I just think that God God doesn't look at the small things like that anymore. I don't feel like God is wasting his time with stuff like that. Yeah. I think that God's worried more on a, on a higher scale of yeah. issues. And so, again, it, it differs from person to person. Would I have an issue if my daughter's listening to NWA? Yeah, probably so because she shouldn't be listening to the NWA. Yeah. She's small, and maybe she shouldn't, shouldn't be listening to Two Life Crew. That it's much worse, <laughs> which is what I grew up on the '80s and the '90s. You know what I mean? Can some grown-up guy want to listen to it if he wants to? Yeah. If he's struggling with a relationship, maybe he shouldn't. Again, it's you have to know what's going on in your life. And know that what you're listening to, what you're doing, what you're looking at, what you're hearing, those things will affect your life. And that, that's that's as close as I can put it as to the why and how and why I do things. So that's why I can hang around with guys that are not Christians. I can hang around with guys who are Muslims. And I can have conversations. And, and I'm not offended if they said to me, well, I don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. And, and I can be okay with that. And I won't be offended by it. And I can still come back and say, well, this is why I do believe in that mm -hmm. and, and have those type of conversations. And so I think that we'll, we'll eventually go back to a season where, where we'll begin to see more of a more of a, real, a realism to what Christianity is. Because I think at the moment we don't have that. It's been very uh, 
passed on type of thing. Like this is what I was passed on, mm-hmm. so this is what I'm gonna teach and keep going. Especially so it's very, with- and, it, and I'll, I'll say this, it's very uh, aged. It's very old school. So for mm-hmm. example, me hearing you like talk and say that, for example, it's exactly what Jesus was. Jesus was in the middle of everybody. You know, sure. and letting you know, I, you know, I, I still talk to you. I'll still be. That's what Jesus is in the middle of everything. Right. It's not like he was up here and telling people from the bottom. Hey, you can't come to me and talk to me. Sure. Right. It's not like that. And sometimes it does feel like religion has done that. Religion sure. has really separated everybody and made it about who's right and who's wrong. When in For reality, sure. it's got a saying come to me i'm with open arms basically because if when i when i actually look at it and study and i've studied it i i have found that when jesus was alive when he did his ministry from 30 to 30 from 30 to 33 to 33 which is three years he did a lot in those three years and it would probably take a, a normal pastor like 20 years to do what he did in three years and probably more than that because he spent so much time with people and with people who didn't expect him to be around them. And then I also have to look at it from the other perspective and say, okay, well, God is a loving God, but he's also a judge. Okay, so I can't take out either one of the equations. So does God love people? Yes, God loves people, but God is also a judge. Yeah, he holds you accountable. And, and he's going to hold accountable. And there will be justice to how we lived our lives here and on according to what we believe and if we believe in him as the son of god which is a whole different uh, discussion but i have found looking through the scriptures that when jesus was correcting somebody 99 percent of the time when he was correcting people he was correcting those who were already in the religious sector you rarely find him correcting people that weren't out that were from the outside occasionally if he did say something he would always say this he would say, be clean, go sin no more. Be clean, go sin no more. The lady who had a issue of blood for 18 years, she had a hemorrhage. She couldn't walk. She touched Jesus. She didn't even touch him. She touched his garment. Her faith healed her. She got healed. He says, be healed, go sin no more. So when he says go sin no more, he's not saying don't go and not sin anymore because it's a literal translation because she's obviously going to go and, of course, yeah. and make mistakes. But what he's saying is he's saying, go back and realize that some of those sins can be changed. So, sin no more is another word for repent, right? So, I had this conversation with my daughter a few weeks ago, and she said, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But she kept making, she kept doing the same thing. Talia, pick up your room. Talia, pick up your room. And then finally I had to come in at the spanker. And when I was going to spank her, she says, Oh no, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, you're not sorry. Because if you were sorry, you wouldn't be repeatedly doing mm-hmm. it. When you are sorry, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And this is what I do when I counsel. I've, I've counseled some guys who've had marital problems and have cheated on their wives. And they say, I'm sorry. I said, well, if you're sorry, why do you keep doing it over and over? If you're really sorry, you won't do it again. And that's how you know when somebody is sorry. So that's how I know if one of my homies is sorry about something he did to me because he doesn't do it again. If he consistently does it, I'm sorry. he's no longer sorry. And he's not repentant. And that's the sin the sin culture. So when he says it, to go, go, go sin no more and be clean. So it doesn't mean that she's going to go back and not sin. It means that she has to go back and reevaluate 
her life and look at what she can repent of and what what changes because repentance really means change it, it just means change it's really what it means it doesn't mean you oh and, you know you have to come and say these like specific prayers and you have to come and sit down in front of a man and, and, and confess your sins and then you're forgiven and you can go back and do them again that's not what that is that that's a that's a mistranslation that's a mis uh, taught idea ideology that was taught throughout the years by Catholicism and stuff like that so I'm a, I'm a, and of course I'm not trying to go on a trail but what I'm saying is that I found him if he was correcting people that were from outside the church it wasn't it wasn't the type of correction that he was giving the people that were inside the temple the people inside the temple he was selling them your snakes now for Jesus to be hanging around people who were quote unquote whores or whoremongers they were women that slept around prostitutes or other people that were drunkards people that were stealers thieves he didn't call those people snakes he would call the people in the temple snakes you snakes you you liars so he was more harsh on those that were in so in actuality because I'm a pastor I'm held more accountable than a person who is not so God's gonna hold me more accountable more because I know better. I know. Mm-hmm. I've seen. I've seen the light. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that, not in, not in a way that I'm better or I'm special, but that I know better. No, of course, yeah, yeah. And so I'm held accountable. You know what I mean? And so, again, I, I just try to live as as close to the model that he lives. Now, it's not to say that he never corrected people. Somebody came and said something. He corrected them. You know, so do I believe in judging somebody? No, I don't believe in judging somebody. But I do believe in correcting if that is allowed. So I can't come up to you and not know you and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. I can't do that because you didn't you didn't allow me to do that. I would be wrong with that. And you're not going to take that as correction. You're going to be like, who the hell are you? Right? Yeah. But if you have that door open and you allow me to come in and you say, hey, I'm having this problem and you really want help, then I can come and say, okay, this is what it is. And whether if you like it or you don't like it, that's that's what it is. That's the truth, right? And I think that's that's how I try to be, you know? And, and I think that ultimately it just comes down to, it comes down to this saying. It says, the truth shall set you free. So we've heard that. You've probably heard that plenty of times in church. It's the truth that would set you free. He is the truth, the way, and the life. That, that's, that's, too, that's true, but not complete. Why? Because it's not just the truth that sets, you, that sets you free. It's the application of it that sets you free. So it's like it's like the computer, right? Like the truth is the application that it comes with or your phone. But if you don't apply those applications to your phone or to your computer, it's not going to function yeah. as great because you haven't applied those applications. And that's what is that's what truth is like. The scriptures for me are, are full of truths, but them truths by themselves, they're just truth by themselves. They're not gonna do nothing. So they have to be implemented. It's like a guy who has a soap in his hand. It doesn't matter how much soap he has in his hand, if he doesn't apply it <laughs> when he's taking a shower, not gonna be you. Bro, you're gonna stink when you walk out. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to apply it. And I think that that's, that's what it comes down to for me is applying. It has to be applied. That truth has to be applied. And 
before I can judge somebody on whether they're playing it or not, I have to always be cognizant on am I applying it? Am I personally applying it? Because if I'm if I'm trying to demand somebody to apply it, but I'm not applying it, God is gonna come down harder on me than on that person. You know? And again, is God is a lo- is God is a loving God? He's a loving God, but he's also a truthful God and he's also a judge a judge. And I think it's his job to judge. And that's what the scripture teaches, that he, he will judge. And again, some people have issues with that, and that's okay, but he is the judge. And he is going to judge. It is appointed once to a man to die, then there's the judgment. So we die, we come before God, he's going to judge us. Right? That's his job. I'm nobody to say whether, how that's going to go. My job is to apply the application and to help people to apply that application. And I think that we have, if we had more of that, then we would see more fruit in people's lives. You know what I mean? So, in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that's amazing, man. Um, yeah. I actually appreciate that. Thank you. For sure. Um, that was a nice word. And the way you put it was very amazing. Um, I'm not trying to cut it short, but we're going to have to uh, kind of sure. wrap this up and probably have to s- schedule another one with you. But I want to give you the moment and let people know where they can find you and stuff like that. And uh, what 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 do you have coming up in the near future that we could be looking into? So I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, at bboylojohn. Um, at bboylojohn. And then I have a hashtag that I've used forever, which is called Straight Up Raw. And I actually made a DVD out of it in 2001. It was a long time ago. And then uh, I also have a Facebook, which is my real name. It's uh, Amado Ramirez Guerrero. That's that's my Facebook. So they're both a little different. Um, in terms of things that I have coming up, I'm doing a lot of uh, different um, DJing things that we're doing. I'm doing a thing right now where we're doing uh, like a 90s hip hop once once a month, where we play 90s hip hop at Break Free okay. uh, near Winkler once a month. And then I'm also doing like a little house uh, house session practice with another guy, another DJ out of my garage, where we just invite house dancers to come. And that's kind of more just kind of like help the culture keep building. Yeah. And then I have some traveling coming up. I'm, I'm taking off to Paris, not too far from now. And then Slovakia. So I have some trips that are coming up that are, that are popping up. But that's pretty much the type of projects that I have going on. And then just building my business in terms of the aerial, aerial scouts. So my drone business is called Aerial Scouts. It's uh, one word, Aerial Scouts. And kind of building that up at the moment as well and with my wife. And uh, that's pretty much what I'm, what I'm doing. I want to thank you for joining us, John. I really appreciate it, man. Um, I think uh, you brought a lot of wisdom to this interview. I think uh, I walked out learning, which is kind of what I wanted. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? I kind of didn't. I'm not going to say I didn't want to ask questions, but I think I I knew I walked in expecting, you know, to learn something and hear some wisdom. And I I, I feel like I'm walking out with it. So I really appreciate that. Going back to that uh, that kid that saw you at the Orange Show, yeah. uh, it's pretty dope to see you now. You know, I'm older now, so it's good to get some knowledge from you. And it's dope. You. I think that's, to cut it short, I think it's dope because, like, from that, like, look what you're doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we, in, in a way, we've all fed each other. Yeah. Like, little, little glimpses, you know, because, like, I don't do, like, I'm a DJ, and if I'm on a mic, it's because I'm DJing. You know what I mean? But... From that you're doing this, you know, and it, and this is this whole podcasting, and this is still an essence of of what hip hop is, you know. So it's still all connected, and that's really cool because 
you're from my hood as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, anybody that's from my hood doing anything, I'm all for it. You know? I'm and all you for said it. that too the day I did wonder. So yeah. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. For sure. And God bless you, man, for, for all. For sure. Thank you. Peace. This is fresh, man.